0: Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they wanna be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome, Joni, to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm so happy that you are here.
1: Thank you, Wendy. It's great to be here.
0: Great. Uh, Let's start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: So I have a business, and it's called Healthy Body, Peaceful Soul, And what I really do is help people gain insights physically, mentally, emotionally, so that they can move through challenges that they're facing and ultimately be their best self. And I do that in a lot of different capacities, teaching mindfulness, doing traditional counseling work, um, teaching yoga, as well as uh, healthy eating and nutrition. Awesome. So
0: a lot of the things you do really help reduce the level of stress. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. And can you tell us a little bit bit about mindfulness and meditation? What exactly is it? How does it work in terms of reducing stress?
1: So mindfulness and meditation, um, first of all, meditation is just, uh, it's a practice and mindfulness is a certain kind of meditation. So it's a certain kind of practice that you do regularly. Uh, What mindfulness is, is our ability to pay attention to pay attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally and so what that does when we really focus our minds we're paying attention to our circumstances around us we're paying attention to what is going on inside of us so our own internal thoughts emotions even our physical reaction And we're cultivating not only awareness, but acceptance. And to me, acceptance just means seeing reality as it is, like really seeing it, not apologizing for how you feel, but just saying, hey, this is how I feel. Hey, these are my circumstances, whether you like them or not. And then finding a way to calm and center yourself so that you can take more skilled action into the world. And there's a lot of... Evidence that shows mindfulness practices and meditation practices can really help us ultimately be more skillful in life, and part of that being more skillful in life is learning how to manage our stress levels. And um, one of the favorite pieces of science that I like to throw out there when I'm working with people is they have um, studies that show MRI scans of people before they learn meditation, and then let's say eight to 12 weeks after and what these brain scans show is you have the average person who has a moderate to high level of stress and the regions of their brain that are impacted are the prefrontal cortex which is logic reasoning and impulse control and there's a reduced neural connectivity in this area the brain even starts to shrink when we're under stress for long periods Another region of the brain that's negatively impacted by stress is the hippocampus, which is where learning, memory, and recall take place. And that starts to lose neural connectivity. And another region of the brain that's impacted by stress is a primitive part of the brain called the amygdala. And this region of the brain actually gets bigger and stronger. And that just means, I always call this the "freakout center of the brain. And that just means that we're constantly scanning our environment for danger And everything that we see, we're perceiving it as if we were being attacked by a bear in the woods. It really triggers our sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight nervous system. So that's stress is bad. We all know that stress is bad. That's what it does to our brains. After eight to 12 weeks of doing a meditation practice, and particularly there's a lot of research around mindfulness practices, those, uh, if you do another MRI scan on the brain, it would show... Increased neural connectivity and gray matter, thicker gray matter in that prefrontal cortex, that logic and reason center, increased neural connectivity in the hippocampus, that learning and memory center. And my favorite part, the amygdala, that freak out center of the brain actually starts to shrink after eight to 12 weeks of regularly practicing mindfulness and meditation, and it starts to shrink. That doesn't mean you're not going to be able to respond in a real emergency. It just means you're not going to be viewing everything as an emergency. Right. Cause a lot of
0: it's about perception. So when I talk about stress, it's really one's perception of the imbalance of whatever you're going through. Do you have the resources to handle it? So that yes.
1: perception is definitely key. It is absolutely. Perception is ultimately everything um that's why whenever i talk about mindfulness i talk about the 3 a's of mindfulness awareness acceptance and then action or skilled action and that acceptance piece or that awareness and acceptance piece is all about it's about our perception and being able to step back from to untangle ourselves from our emotionality around things and to be able to step back and try to view things from an objective viewpoint. Yeah. Can you walk us through those uh, three A's? Absolutely. So um, awareness is the first one. And a lot of times when I talk about awareness, people will say, oh, I have great awareness. I always pay attention to what's going on around me. I'm like, okay, do you pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Cause that is the most important piece. Um, we have our circumstances and absolutely it's important to pay attention to our circumstances and what's going on around us. But then the question is, how is your body reacting to those circumstances? So there's a level of awareness to pay attention to your body. Cause sometimes our body connects us to our instinct. And, you know, if you're ever in a circumstance and you immediately feel tense, well, that's information, right? That's information. So it's so important to pay attention to the body's reaction. And then of course, it's also important for us to pay attention to our emotional reaction and to the thoughts that are passing through our mind. Now this takes some practice and some skill because we're so entangled with, Of course, our body, our mind, and our emotions, we're so entangled with them that they're so much a part of, of who we are and what we perceive that we might not even be able to identify, oh, I feel the feeling of anger welling up in me, or, oh, I have a lot of negative thoughts rolling around in my head. But that's what the practice, the um the practice of mindfulness meditation, being able to sit quietly and be an observer of what's going on inside, that strengthens that muscle, if you will, that ability for us to pay attention to what's going on inside. We can tease apart that part of us that has the ability to just observe and not be so entangled and enmeshed in our own emotions and thoughts, but we can pull back and just be an observer so that then we can learn more about ourselves, not to beat ourselves up, but just to befriend ourselves and say, Oh, this is, this circumstance makes me have feelings of anger. Okay. There they are. And, you know, I always use anger as an example, cause it's an unpopular emotion, <laughs> and oftentimes we feel like we have to apologize for feeling that but in essence it's part of the human experience so we move into the next a of mindfulness so awareness acceptance and of course these two are really connected together because so awareness you notice something like anger well our first reaction to that might be to say to ourselves oh well I shouldn't feel this way And so then what do we do? We bury the emotion or we pretend it's not there, you know, Um, but acceptance is all about seeing reality clearly. And that means looking at what's going on inside and just unapologetically saying, yep, this is how I feel. Yep. These are the things that are rolling around in my head right now. That doesn't mean that we act on them. But it's important to notice them and accept that they're there because they're part of who we are in the present moment and burying them doesn't get us anywhere positive. So um, acceptance of how you feel of what's going on and also acceptance of what our reality is. You know, this is a hard thing because all of us experience Things in life, circumstances in life that are less than ideal. We don't want them to be that way. And so often, when things are not the way we want them, I always say our inner three year old is actually active in there. You know, we tell our three year olds, you know, well, if they're throwing a temper tantrum, well, you can't always get your way. But do we ever really learn that? Because internally, whenever circumstances aren't the way we imagined them in our head, we kind of are internally having a little temper tantrum, meaning we want to deny that, well, this is just the way it is, you know? And I can think of so many examples, you know, when something with work doesn't work out, maybe you're working on a project and for some reason it it, it dies, it doesn't come to fruition. You know, you don't get to get to that goal. Or, you know, a relationship breakup, something like that. It doesn't, that's not what you planned in your head. And some people deny those things or they get really upset and uh, don't want to accept reality as it is. But that acceptance piece is so important. Accepting your circumstances and just saying, yeah, this, this happened. Here it is. This, this is the facts of my life right now. This happened. And these are my reactions, And then once you do that, before you get to the skilled action stage, that that third A action, you might need to do some kind of a, a pattern interrupter. So we all have our patterns, our habitual ways of responding to something or reacting to something, especially when we feel a certain way. And so to do a pattern interrupter is to use a technique like a mindfulness or meditation technique, like a deep breathing practice, or just a brief focusing exercise, planting yourself in the present moment. And once you do that, even if you just do it for a minute or so, then you can ask yourself a question that helps you get to skilled action. And that question is, is this something I have control over? such a crucial question because sometimes we start taking action on something that we have no ability to change whatsoever. Maybe it depends on someone else's behavior or someone else's thoughts. Well, we know logically we can't control another person. That doesn't stop us from trying sometimes, (laughs) but, um, that, that skilled action question, Is this a circumstance I have control over or isn't it? And if the answer is yes, this is something I have control over, well, then from this calm, grounded, emotionally regulated place, we can outline what can I do about this circumstance, you know, A, B, and C, here's what I can do. Sometimes you might ask yourself that question, is this something I have control over? And maybe the answer is, well, a little bit, I have a little bit of control. Well, then you figure out what can I do? But a lot of the time we ask ourselves, is this circumstance something I have control over? And often the answer is no, at this point in time, I don't have control over it. And so then what do we do? Well, we have to usually loop back around to do some kind of a practice to emotionally regulate ourselves to help us cope with the thoughts and the emotions that arise from feelings of disappointment or the experience of disappointment. So that's what, to me, what mindfulness is about. And that's how you can apply it to life. Um, Awareness, acceptance, and then skilled action. Oh, that's really
0: good. Two things I thought of while you were talking is you have to one, give yourself, well, provide yourself the time and space to process, to really figure out what's going on. Because many times when we're stressed, we're just going, we don't take Mm -hmm. the time, the time and space to process, right? And the second thing is control. This is something I talk to uh, nurses I work with about is control. Like we're very controlling. We can be. So how do we channel that control into doing mindfulness practices into meditation? Cause that is, you know, you're controlling your mind essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, and
0: what, what are your thoughts on this? Cause I was thinking about mindfulness and meditation. And I think of mindfulness as a, conscious practice, where I think of meditation more as a subconscious practice. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So the way that I've learned and practiced both mindfulness and meditation, mindfulness is, it is a mindset. It, It is definitely a mindset, something that you can carry throughout your life. But mindfulness is also something that we could sit right here and do, um, you know, that, that we could do a mindfulness meditation, like a practice. So a mindfulness, a formal mindfulness practice in which we sit and maybe we just are focusing on our breathing or we're focusing on our feet on the floor and letting go of everything else, noticing everything, but then letting it go. Um, meditation. So it's interesting for you to say that meditation is a subconscious practice. So at a basic level. So for someone who doesn't know anything about meditation, I would say it is just a practice. It is a practice that you do to focus and emotionally regulate. Okay. Um, Now there's different levels of that. So that's like step one. It's a practice of focusing and there's lots of different ways you can practice meditation. There's mindfulness meditation in which you could do something where you're just paying attention in the present moment, you know, focusing on your breathing is, is one way to do mindfulness meditation. There's other kinds of meditation in which you sit quietly and you, you, silently repeat a mantra, like a phrase, a comforting or a positive phrase in your in your mind. So that's another way to practice meditation. Another way to practice meditation is to do certain breathing patterns, controlled breathing patterns. Those can be considered meditations. And then there's different guided kinds of meditations that you can practice. Ultimately, the practice of meditation is intended the more that you practice it, And the more it becomes a a habit and you, I'll say progress in it, although I hate to use that word progress, but eventually we want to get to a place where we drop the, the technique. So all these techniques, the breathing, the mantra, the focusing on your breathing, it's supposed to get us to a certain point of clarity where ultimately we are letting go of, I'll say our ego, letting go of that thinking, processing, planning part of who we are. And we are just in essence, practicing being just being instead of doing. And that's such a hard thing because our culture and my gosh, especially the profession that you work with like it's all about doing right. You know, in any helping profession, it's all about doing, if you're not doing, there's no value to you. You know, there's that perception. And so to just practice being, you know, the deeper you get with meditation, it's just to practice being. And then, although I always teach that meditation is not Necessarily a spiritual practice at all. A lot for a lot of people, it eventually can become part of their spiritual practice or part of a religious practice. Because when you drop your ego, all that planning, all that desire to control, when you drop all of that, well, that's when there's greater potential for you to feel more connection, for you to feel, you know, more connected to your sense of spirituality, to the divine. And so you can reach this place. So that's why I think it's funny you said subconscious. I feel like you can reach this place where you are deeply within yourself and deeply connected and letting go of all that stuff that we have to manage, you know, on a day to day basis. It's amazing what
0: you find when you quiet the mind and you sit yes. with yourself and you just be so many things. Um, I'm in in the process of doing a meditation series with a group of nurses and every night it's something different. Like you discover about yourself, just being in the space with self. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you brought up such a great, um, point about nurses, you know, doing right. And, And that doing leads to stress and we wear it Like, you know, we're not complete unless we're doing a lot, (laughs) really. So being quiet and and being is is really hard and it takes practice. So I am working with nurses to really channel that control and, you know, use that control to have yourself sit quietly because that takes some control too, right? So, So definitely trying to do that. What's your advice to someone who wants to start meditating or being like, what's the first step they can take?
1: Well, the first step I would say is getting that perspective that this is something that will help them. And so the, the one metaphor that I always use to to get, because you have to be in the right mindset to be willing to commit to a practice like this. And it has to be a mindset of self-care. And like you said, self-control, I think is the hardest and most challenging kind of control that we can practice and the most important. And here's why it's the most important. And again, I work with so many people in what I call helping professions. And this is so hard for us all to remember. You know, I use like a cup or a mug or a vessel analogy that, We have a finite amount of energy. And so let's say this is the amount of energy we have at any one given time. Well, everything that we do for others, we're pouring out, you know, our energy. We're pouring it out. We're pouring it out until eventually what happens? The cup is empty. But guess what? We keep trying to pour. We keep trying to pour from an empty cup. And we think that we're doing good and we think that it's selfish if we would step back to take care of ourselves. But actually, if we keep trying to pour from an empty cup, we're going to get exhausted, burned out, resentful. We're going to have all these feelings inside. It's not going to feel good to do those helping actions anymore. We're going to feel resentful because of it. So, if you want to be a good helper, so it is not just It is essential that you fill your cup, that you find ways to fill your cup. And one of the ways that I always recommend that people do that is by practicing mindfulness and meditation. And so that's the first step is getting out of the mindset that it's selfish to take care of yourself. It's essential. If you want to care for others, you have to care for yourself first. And so that mindset is the first step. And then the second thing I would say is finding a practice or a technique that you like, that feels comfortable to you, that, that brings you some sense of calm or peace. And then the third step is building it into your schedule on a semi-regular basis. Now, I know if we're talking about nurses, if they have irregular schedules You know, it's not like you can say, oh, well, you're going to do it every morning at 7 a.m. because maybe you, if you do shift work, that might not be possible, but I always suggest connecting your practice to a habit that you already have. So a habit that most of us have is brushing our teeth. So brushing your teeth that triggers in your mind. Okay. After I'm done brushing my teeth, I'm going to sit and I'm going to do my, my meditation practice for five minutes. Um, so that way you're connecting it again to a habit that's already in your life. It's a little easier to start something new in that way and to commit to it. And if you have it backed up by that, I got to fill my cup. Um, and then again, you have a practice that resonates with you. I think those are kind of the three crucial things that you can do if you want to start a practice for yourself.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Joni. And before we wrap up and get to our rapid fire, are there any last words or advice that you can give to our listeners?
1: Um, I would really just say to find a way, uh, whether find something that inspires you, whether it's, um, a story, a quote, um, You know, being in nature, find something that inspires you and and make sure that you're taking time to do that as often as you can, because that's another way for us to fill our cup. It's another way to be in the present moment and to really uh, enjoy life. And that's so important for us to take those moments to enjoy life, um, not just for ourselves, but honestly, everyone around us will benefit if we're happier.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And are you okay with me doing a rapid fire with you before we wrap up?
1: Sure. I'm not sure what that is, but I'm game. <laughs>
0: <Awesome>. <laughs> so I want you to answer these questions or finish these sentences. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Well, wellness means happiness. I know I'm stressed when I feel tension in my shoulders. My go-to stress management solution is deep breathing. The last time I had a belly laugh was last night. Do you mind sharing more?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I actually, uh, was, uh, dancing with someone special to me. Uh, and, uh, and we were just joking and dancing and I was actually trying to teach him, um, salsa dancing and, uh, and it was just really funny and we were laughing. And, and at some point I just, was really cracking up and had that big belly laugh. Awesome, (laughs)
0: awesome. Uh, One thing I've learned about myself during the pandemic is?
1: That I need to get out of my house.
0: (laughs) That's great. Um, What are you grateful for?
1: My sons. What's your favorite book? Oh, I'm going to say one that's on my, um, on my little table over there that I've been reading. It's called 7,000 Ways to Listen by Mark Nepo. Well,
0: oh, it sounds very interesting. <laughs> and the last question is, what is something that people get wrong about you?
1: I would say people think that I've always been as calm as I am now. People don't realize. And I and I share with them that when I was in my 20s, I had high levels of anxiety. And it's hard for people to imagine who know me now because I'm not like that anymore.
0: Nice. Awesome. So you are a product of meditation and mindfulness yes absolutely (laughs) that's awesome well thank you so much joni for being here with us we really appreciate all the insight and uh little uh tools you gave us
1: you're welcome thank
0: you for having me wendy thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave a review between episodes you can follow the nurse wellness podcast on facebook and instagram before you go I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your
1: best, and give your best.